Hello and welcome to Believe in Me with Rona Barton. In this week's episode, I'm bringing you an interview episode that I'm calling A Blether Together. And I'm chatting with Diane Morgan, who's a grief recovery coach and hypnotist. She provides both online and one-to-one in-person grief recovery support services. And Diane has her own podcast called Give Grief a Chance. I'll pop all Diane's information in the show notes and I encourage you to give her a listen. Don't forget, you can review, share and subscribe to this podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. I'd also love to hear what you think about my chat today with Diane, so feel free to leave me a voice message by going to speakpipe.com forward slash B-I-M-E or heading over to my website, ronabarton.co.uk. I hope you enjoy this chat. Diane, tell me a little bit about how you got started as a grief recovery coach and hypnotist. How did I get started? Well, let's see. In 2008, Mm -hmm. my dad, my brother, and my Mm mum, in that order, all died within eight months of each other. And then our dog, actually, not long afterwards, all died. And it made me think about grief. You know, I'm like, Mm -hmm. oh. There's a word that I've never really thought about. It sort of opened up this world of grief. Now, if we back up before that, I used to give facials to people. And what I realized, actually, once I joined this world, this club, the grief club, was my clients then, a lot of stories that people passed on to me was about loss and so I decided to become a a grief recovery coach and I include I had done hypnosis before I became a coach Um, Mm -hmm. so I kind of combine everything in with my program that I offer people so Mm -hmm. you know like I say it was death Mm -hmm. that opened the door to grief for me and that's uh, that's three four in including the family pet that's four like major losses in such a short period of time yes I felt like the grim reaper because I live in the states Mm -hmm. and so I grew up in England and every time I went back to England it was like I felt like if I walked in the room you know here comes the grim reaper (laughs) and And it was hard, you know, it's hard being so, as many people know, just living away from your family. It was the one thing that I sort of had dreaded. Okay. You know, what am I going to do when that day comes? Will I make it home? Will I get to say goodbye? And there it was all within eight months of each other. Goodness me. So, So, I mean, that's, that is heavy going for you. So, Mm -hmm. How long after after all of that did you take up your grief recovery coaching? Well, that opened the door. I would say I 
for about three years, I sort of did it part time. And then Mm -hmm. I thought, and I've been doing, you know, offering facials for like, I don't know, close to 20 years. I'm like, how am I going to transition? Because Mm -hmm. the grief work I love doing. And then COVID came along and opened the door I thought well here we go here's a door that can open I can either walk through it Mm -hmm. or I can stay doing both Mm -hmm. but I just decided this was time to take that leap and let go of aesthetics and actually because I had done aesthetics for 20 odd years that in itself was a loss for me yes I felt really emotional about letting go of you know my clients and Mm. the whole my whole business and and doing something different so there was another loss for me but but I love it and I love this work and I I just I'm so happy that I chose to walk down that path Mm -hmm. You know. And the work that you do, and I know part of that is you've got your own podcast as well. I know that mm-hmm. because that's how I came across you um, right. and listening to it. And um, it, it seems odd to say I enjoy listening to a grief podcast, but um, there's always something I find in each of your episodes that I can kind of go, oh, yeah, I relate to that. And one, you've touched on it yourself already. What The one that stood out for me was your episode about intangible loss. You know, I think everybody is familiar with you know bereavement in the version of the loss of a human Mm -hmm. or a loss of a pet even but things like having to close up your business or people losing their jobs because of covid these more intangible things um i think are almost skimmed over well i think it is it's those outside things that we all, you know, like you say, the death of a loved one, a divorce, but we forget what goes on inside. You know, intangible losses are also loss of trust. Absolutely. Safety if you've been abused. Um, Loss of control of your body if you have health issues. Absolutely. Um, Loss of safety. Um, You know, it's all of these types of losses that we don't, it's the underlying losses that we don't really think about, but they are there deep within us. Yeah. And I think that's certainly one thing I know my listeners can can relate to, is it's not necessarily um, the loss of a physical person. It's the loss of of who they used to be so obviously as as you know because we've we've shared with each other that I had ME for almost 10 years I was paralyzed I was wheelchair bound and in amongst that time I lost the Rona I used to be you know all these Mm -hmm. plans that I had as as you do when you're kind of going through college university any further higher education you're planning out your life you're getting ready to step out into the world and sort of stake your claim and for me you know a few months after I turned 21 that all came to a screeching halt thanks to my ME and my labyrinthitis my inner inner ear imbalance and for almost 10 years I I couldn't work you know I lost my friendship so I lost my job I lost my financial independence that I'd started Mm -hmm. and all of these seem 
very much on that intangible front and people seem to be almost dismissive of it because well you'll you'll get another job but inside I'm thinking this isn't just a job this was my career this is what I planned for the rest of my life this is what you know this this is how I was going to be an an adult if you like so the feeling of grief and of loss to me certainly internally felt just as as big just as huge as losing a physical person I mean I've I've lost grandparents aunts uncles etc and friends um, throughout life as well and that it's it's me- the exact same measurable aspect that I was feeling over right. the loss of a job. Well, you know, for you, it's loss of hopes and dreams for a future. Absolutely. That's very different. So you suffered with ME, and mm-hmm. I'm going to ask you <laughs> to pronounce the technical name because I'll totally botch it up. That's Just okay. so people will know exactly what what it was you went through yeah absolutely so me stands for myalgic encephalomyelitis Uh, sometimes it's um tagged on with cfs which stands for chronic fatigue syndrome um and these days long covid is falling under very similar um symptoms and progression for Mm -hmm. people as well so we can think about me CFS and long COVID almost in in the same bundle at the moment Um, and those losses for people you know we're coming through a pandemic people still have long COVID it's not just going to magically disappear overnight they're dealing with similar losses as well you know they've potentially lost their jobs they may have lost relationships they've become very isolated because they're unable to to leave their house or even get out of bed for some people, you know. So we've got lots of people in different states of health or disease, mm-hmm. if you like, who are grieving a number of things. Like you've said, hopes and dreams. There's the job losses. There's the financial independence. There's potential um, relationships, friendships. Right. How how do they know that what they're feeling is normal? Is there a normal when it comes to grief? Well, well, grief is a normal and natural reaction to any significant loss, any loss that you deem significant. We we grieve Mm -hmm. and all feelings are valid. It doesn't matter what your loss is. Grief is grief. And that's why it's important to um, understand and know about these intangible losses. Uh, I mean, the pandemic, loss of freedom. Look how many people, we lost our freedom. We were and and still are a world of grievers. And so unfortunately, grief is only connected for most people with death Mm. and some people divorce. But it's a much bigger umbrella. There are so many losses that can cause grief and loss of health is huge for people huge yeah. as you well know it's in the um certainly in the top five 
of uh, major life events. Uh, I believe it's at right. number four at the moment. So, you know, and that's that goes, yes, loss of a, a partner, a spouse, a child. Um, is I think that's been number right. one for for many a moon. But in amongst even the top 10, you've got things like your loss of health, loss of a job, loss mm-hmm. of a relationship, mm-hmm. let alone, um, you know, health for us as well. So there's a multitude of different losses in there that are bundled up in so much, you know, so many feelings. And it's just knowing, yeah, this is normal or this right. is normal for me. Yes. Mm-hmm. it's everybody grieves differently you know we can't compare loss mm-hmm. even if you and I experience a similar loss I can never say to you Rona and know how you feel because I don't I only know how I feel and how my grief affects me and how I deal with it and so grief is unique as your fingerprints you know, so we all feel it. Some people may cry, some people may not. It's yeah. very individual. And I think the biggest thing is just realizing that the feelings that you're, that you're feeling inside, the heartbreak, the loneliness, the anger mm-hmm. is, is grief. You yeah. know, it's just recognizing that and allowing yourself to feel the feelings Because if we don't allow ourselves, because really we live in a society where, and that's what my podcasts are about is, you know, grief is still a taboo subject. You know, we're all happy to share our good news, but when something terrible happens, we don't know what to do. We don't, we feel that we should just, you know, bottle it up. Or how many times have you met somebody at the shops and you've asked them how they're doing and you know quite well that they're heartbroken and they'll say, oh, I'm fine, Rona, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, fine, feelings inside not expressed. Or we will turn to things to try and numb our grief. You know, we might drink alcohol, Mm -hmm. drugs prescription drugs you know you name it we'll do anything to try and numb out or avoid those feelings because we're not taught as a society how Mm. to deal with our sad and painful feelings it's the uncomfortableness and the vulnerability I think as well that you know if we if we say to somebody you know when they ask that genuinely how are you question and if we were to turn around and and say exactly how we're feeling you know I'm I'm livid I'm so angry at x y or z because they've died or I've lost my job or um, I've lost this friendship or this relationship that I think partly it's I've left myself vulnerable and people Mm -hmm. can see I, I have a weakness if you like but also I think part of that is and I don't think this is just a uniquely British thing <laughs> I don't think it's the stiff upper lip British thing <laughs> I think there's also that I don't want to make that other person feel uncomfortable you know right. if I'm in the supermarket queue and and they've asked me how I am and I genuinely tell them meanwhile they are thinking uh 
I've got to get home for the kids because they're coming out of school. I've got dinner to make. I'm only on my lunch break. It's almost like they don't have time to deal with it. Right. And I think, you know, you hit the nail on the head with weakness, the word weakness. Mm. If we allow ourselves, I mean, we're never taught to say what most of us don't say, oh, I'm having a rotten day. Um, or this is how I truly feel. And yes, we don't want to make the other person feel uncomfortable. But really and truly, I think a lot of it is that we show ourselves, you know, um, being vulnerable is a weakness. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, how many times, you know, have you heard somebody say, gosh, she's so strong? Yes. You know, she's such a, you got to stay strong for your parents or for the kids or why yeah i'm not sure that's um sending the right message right no again it's misinformation it's Mm -hmm. like we're fed with she's in a better place now or god doesn't give you more than you can handle you know i mean it's such we we say what we i mean it's not done out of ill intent it's done because we don't know what else to say it's just handed down misinformation so I guess that leads quite nicely on to to one question that I've got for you is what do you say to people that have suffered a loss whether whether that is you know physically losing a person you know somebody has passed away or you know it's a loss of a pet. I mean, certainly my experience of that growing up has always been almost like there's a scale of loss. You lose a person and that's top of the scale. You lose a pet and that's not not quite as important. I can understand you feeling upset, but in a couple of days you'll be fine. And then you've got the likes of the loss of a job or the loss of your financial security. And it's very much, oh yeah, just get on with things. See, but when we do that, we're comparing and we're we're, yeah. we're judging. Yes. We're judging. Unconsciously, we're judging somebody. Oh, just a dog. Get another one, mm-hmm. you know, just a budgie. Yes. But for them, it might be, for a lot of people, losing a pet is actually harder than the death of a person mm-hmm. because they've had unconditional love. Maybe they don't have children and that's their, you know, their baby. Um, And so we judge. I mean, what can we say? There are lots. Sometimes the best thing we can offer somebody is to be there and listen. I'm here. If you ever want to talk, you know, my heart goes out to you. Um, There are lots of things that we can learn to say to somebody. I believe one of the biggest gifts is being present and listening. Mm -hmm. And if if it's, you know, if somebody is going through, is really having a hard time, don't ask them if they need any help. Just turn up at the house. Mm-hmm. Give them some food. Take the dog for a walk. Take the kids, sit with the kids and help them while the person goes out for an hour or, you know, be present. Mm-hmm. Um, because when I think when we're, we all mean well, but when we're in the middle of grief, it feels lonely. I mean, grief is messy. And I remember, you know, with my losses, even though I have a family here in the States, mm-hmm. my, fam- my family in England died, I felt so alone. Mm. 
Um, and so even though we have people around us, that's why I think action can speak louder than words. It, this, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah. What did you do when you were feeling lonely like that? How did you cope with that? For me, uh, talking. Okay. You know, my husband was great. He's like, I don't know what to say and I don't know what to do. And I said, just listen. Okay. And he did. And actually, at the time when I was giving my facials, my clients would come in and say, oh, you know, some friends, how's it going? Mm -hmm. You know, what's happened? And they'd ask me questions. So the more I talked about it, I wouldn't say it became easier. No. But I remember one day talking to um, a woman and after our conversation thinking, oh, I didn't cry. Ah, okay. So for me, just really expressing, and that could be if you don't want to talk to somebody, journal. Well, I was going to ask you about that because I believe you have um, such a journal available. I so do. Tell me a little bit about, <laughs> <laughs> little bit about it. So Ooh, that the you should mention that. <laughs> learn more as well. Because, well, I think I, I certainly know um, for me when I was when I was at my most ill, yeah. talking just it wouldn't have happened for me. I mean, you know, I couldn't tolerate light sound. So having somebody else in the room and expecting a conversation, it wouldn't have happened. And even as as my health improved, I still had what we call brain fog. So struggled to pull sentences together or find the right words. So being able to to express myself verbally, you would never know it now, obviously, (laughs) but being able to do that at the time would have been quite a struggle. But I've always enjoyed writing. And whether that is physical, sitting with a a notepad and pen sort of thing, or if it's typing or even um, dictating a like a voice memo, if you like, um, I've always enjoyed that. So that would have probably been easier for me than trying to open up and share with my nearest and dearest, because Mm -hmm. for me, I would have thought, well, I'm burdening them with yet more problems that I've got. And that's right, fierce. right. And, and write, your, your journey. Yeah, writing is a great way for that one reason. Um, though we have to change this thought of I don't want to burden others. Hmm. <laughs> I thought um, I could have snuck is, that in past you, but obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great way to start, mm-hmm. you know, because you're getting it out. You're getting it out of your head, mm-hmm. your thoughts and your feelings. And just writing it out. I mean, it's amazing. There's all sorts of amazing things, creative ways that you can, you know, art therapy is great or music Mm -hmm. or dancing if you feel like it. Um, Mm -hmm. Journaling is just a great way to start um, to get all of those thoughts and feelings out of you and onto paper. And so that's why I created my journal because... Not everybody will open up mm-hmm. and talk at the beginning because it's hard and it's something that we have to get used to doing because of what we feel that we, you know, we don't want to burden others with our, which is sad, really. It is. And I know for me, 
that was partly because they were going through it as well. You know, although I was the one with ME, it impacted my family, it impacted my mum, my dad, my other mother, my brother, my grandparents, who were all in their own way, caring for me, looking after me, helping me, whilst trying to do their own things as well. You know, parents right. were still at work, grandparents well, lived, you know, a, a good hour and a bit away. So, you know, they would be making a special trip. So why on earth would you burden them with everything else when they, you know, they've come to give mum some respite or to cheer me up. So why on earth would I then try and, you know, I'm really not having a great day, granddad. Stop winding me up. <laughs> so, <Right. laughs> I'll tell grandma on you. Um, <laughs> so, you know, and my brother is, well, at the time, a couple of years older than me, you know, so he's early 20s trying to get on with his life. So why on earth would I be saying to him, this is this is basically how rubbish I'm feeling today and this is how angry I am at, at my body, at my brain, at the situation when he can do nothing about it but he can listen yes and that's the bit that I guess that I hadn't appreciated at the time right you know right because we assume we do we just assume that Mm -hmm. it's not our plan we don't we shouldn't burden others Mm -hmm. so when you were diagnosed then Mm -hmm. how, how did you know I mean how Tell, you know, can you tell me what happened? Yes, I'm happy to tell you that. So I was, well, 1998 is how far we're going back to Diane. So I've I've just passed middle of August this year was 24 years from when basically I was sent home from work. Um, Just dizzy, basically a bit, bit dizzy, couldn't really stand upright. Couldn't really sit on a chair without falling off it. So um, I was very kindly um, had mum called and she came and picked me up and I went home from work and I didn't know at the time, but I wasn't going back um, to work for almost 10 years at that point. So I started with labyrinthitis, which is an inner ear imbalance, causes severe dizziness. Um, A lot of people have heard of vertigo, so it's, it's similar Um, just called labyrinthitis Um, Mm -hmm. and I had that for a good three weeks but suddenly was getting more symptoms for things as well like the brain fog that I've mentioned Um, and my GP had signed me off work for a couple of weeks to to just try and recover from the labyrinthitis from the dizziness Um, and I went back to see him to say look I'm not actually getting any better and here's a list of things more things that are wrong with me um and it sounds very odd but I was fortunate that my mum had had ME as well not as severely but she and I had had a conversation that was along the lines of "Mm, beginning to get you know symptoms similar to to what she had had and when I went to my GP he was um very understanding loved my GP that I had at that point Diane he drove Mm. a Harley Davidson and he wore a (laughs) kilt and that combination going into the clinic first thing in the morning that's quite a sight to see he was fantastic um but he was also uh, very understanding he knew of ME not a lot of GPs um 
at that mm-hmm. point in time knew about it or even believed in it. So, you know, getting somebody to believe you in the first place wow. is fantastic. Um, but I turned up with my list of list of many things on top of the labyrinthitis. And uh, he basically took one look at it and asked me a couple of questions and said, yeah, I think you've actually, I think you've now got ME. So that was within three weeks of me being off ill. And I didn't necessarily get any better, but I didn't get any worse until January 99, when uh, we'd taken my brother to a job interview in Glasgow. And Mm -hmm. we were walking back through the the main centre of Glasgow um, and my legs just stopped working and I ended up on the ground like a sack of spuds as we say just stopped just stopped and I I had a fit of giggles actually because it was a Sunday morning and you know there were other people walking through Glasgow who'd been out all night partying (laughs) and I was not one of them Um, (laughs) but I certainly looked like I was so thankfully my brother picked me up and threw me over his shoulder and uh, chucked me in the back of the car and then helped me out at the other end. But that was the start of my legs just not working. And it was almost as if my body had done uh, a wee sort of reconnaissance on itself and said, you know what, we've made you dizzy to get you to slow down and and think about what you need and what you're doing and stop trying to do everything and be everything to everybody. You didn't listen, so we gave you a few more symptoms. You still didn't listen, so if you're not going to behave yourself, we're going to take your legs away. So the legs stopped working. Um, and that was fine because I phoned a friend to borrow a wheelchair because where there's a will, there's a way, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but um, as much as I can look back on it now and, and laugh and think, oh, right, okay, look at all these lessons you were being given and you didn't pay attention to because mm. you're stubborn um whereas now I am much more attuned to what my body needs and what it does um and how it behaves um that I do actually pay attention and listen most of the time wow <laughs> <laughs> how long were you in a wheelchair for then for that was the best part of almost eight years oh wow mm. Wow. Yeah. It tell you it does wonders for upper body strength. I'll bet. Great biceps pushing yourself about the place. It's fabulous. But um, you had to learn to walk again. Yes, I did. And that was interesting because the physiotherapist wouldn't give me more than um, about two exercises to do at a time because he said himself, I know what people with ME are like. I give you something to do and you will do it and do it and do it and you will make yourself worse because you'll push yourself too far. So he gave me two exercises and told me not to come back for, for about six weeks and not to uh, not to make like make myself worse by overdoing it. So um, but I was very fortunate. I got into a hydrotherapy pool as well. So I managed to get nice. some. Um, it couldn't class it as swimming at that point. It was floating. Um, but to, it took the weight off yeah, my bones yeah, yeah. and helped my muscles yeah. to relax. So that helped ease some of the pain that I was was in as well. So it was not a straight line. Think of it more as a wound up ball of wool than a nice mm-hmm. straight ruler. Um, like three steps forward and five steps back on occasion. But eventually right. we got there. 
Um, and I had a car crash, which meant that I couldn't use my wheelchair because of the whiplash that I ended up with. So, oh my, this is during all of. Yeah, this is this is you know <laughs> just, because why just not? <laughs> not Diane. You know, there's not enough going on in life. Let's throw in a car crash. That's um, right. But it meant that just because of the whiplash to my my back and my hips and things, I could be held upright as if I was standing um, Mm -hmm. or I could lie down flat but being in a sitting position um, was extremely painful so this was at the start of a holiday I was going on with my mum and my aunt so that wasn't the best start to the holiday we Mm. went anyway because what else are you going to do right right but by the end of that holiday I had my mum and my aunt holding me upright and I could take sort of five or six steps with with them holding my body weight and that's it was almost like that was the the shunt that my body needed to get the legs back up and going again oh my gosh but you're fully mobile now I am yes yes back to whatever normal is these days you know well is it hereditary then it's it's not um certainly there haven't been any studies that have found that um but what you tend to find with people with me cfs um they tend to be people who are constantly on the go quite stubborn people i would say and i Mm. i have shared that before on my podcast (laughs) i I am well and truly stubborn um, the sort of people, you know, if you want something done, give it to a busy person. They know how to prioritise. It's that sort. Um, we're not always great at saying no. That That is a flaw. I <laughs> hope not all of that has changed now, Rona. Well, I say all of it has changed, but I still have post-it notes on my desk <laughs> that say no is a complete sentence. <laughs> to remind myself because you know and I've got remember your boundaries you know so that right, um, right. because I don't want to fall back into habits that I had previously yeah because I don't want to go through all of that again could, could it yes oh okay yes. so it's really it's, important yeah. that you maintain a healthy lifestyle then yeah there, so that I it's terrible because I I do I know fine well I'm a control freak but I control the things that I know I need to make sure mm-hmm. that I don't end up back there because nobody can nobody can tell me it's not going to come back again right. right and I don't want to go through losing everything that I've that I've built up since I've become well I can see that. So do you practice a lot of things like mindfulness? And <laughs> I would love to say I practice mindfulness, but I started, <laughs> sounds terrible. This, this, I think this sums me up quite nicely, actually, Diane. <laughs> I started practicing mindfulness and then got very frustrated it wasn't happening quickly enough. <laughs> so, so it's that good old, you know, give me patience, God, but hurry. It's that. Right. <laughs> So, oh, having said God. that I mean I I have um part part of my recovery um was getting involved in complementary therapies so you know I'm a trained aromatherapist medical acupuncturist etc nice. etc et so I've got a, yep. a lot of therapies that um I practice because they helped me 
um, at various stages throughout my health. Um, so I do, I like my Pilates, my yoga, you know, okay. I like, um, even I quite like listening to d- different meditation tapes. Okay. Or even just a soothing voice, you know, as yep. I'm pottering about the house sort of thing. Right. Um, just so that I can get me time. I'm, yeah. And I mean, I could bury my head in a book for days on end and not come up for air, you know, I'd be quite happy. That is part of taking care of me you know that's great though Rona and and you have a you also have a podcast I do yes called Believe in Me M-E with Rona Barton so it's about all things myalgic encephalomyelitis related Uh related um and you know part of that is is sharing my story because I haven't really done that um so I finally took the plunge earlier this year to launch the podcast with a lot of encouragement from my podcast coach as well Um, because there's up to 30 million people worldwide wow me and that number is only going to increase um due to the pandemic and the likes of long covid Mm -hmm. wow wow and do you coach women as well I do. I coach women who have ME or have recently been diagnosed with ME. So I I would love to say I coach anybody with ME, but the mm-hmm. problem with that is that I don't know. I have never experienced being a man with ME. So, I, you know, I can't identify with that. So right. I, I, I coach females with ME or who have recently been diagnosed um, and, you know, we, I mean, we look at things, we, I talk a lot about baseline activities. So that's finding what you can do in a day or a week, for example, mm-hmm. that doesn't have a negative impact on your health. So it doesn't cost you more energy um, than you right. have to give. So there's wow. a lot of baseline, working that out. And then, you know, you can manage your baseline but then you end up with a cold bug and suddenly what you were able to manage goes out the window oh, yeah because your body's needing so much else what a great service I'm sure that you can offer lots of things that you needed maybe lots of advice that you maybe needed and didn't know where to turn to now you must have this plethora uh, a lot of lessons that I learned and some that I'm still learning Diane that's the, that's right. the problem <laughs> so I, need, I need to remember I am not superwoman um, yeah. as much as I you know think yes I am there has yep. to be a bit of reality check as well um, but I still you know I still come back to and I know we've, we've spoken about this previously as well is that I don't always remember to feel my feelings you know mm-hmm. I, I'm can quite easily just go oh yeah that's annoying and move on and then wonder why you know why is that still in my head I obviously haven't dealt with that why is it waking me up in the morning I'm really annoyed at that I'm actually quite upset that such and such happened and you know I don't always give myself permission to feel those but I don't want to end up almost spiraling down into you know that grief for example um about what I what I lost because I think I've gained so much since then as well 
Um, and I always say, you know, you can visit your feelings. You can feel those feelings. Just don't set up camp there. Um, right. I and I need I need to remind myself that, you know, I can feel upset about what I've lost and what I might have had. But I don't need to live there. No, mm-hmm. no. And I think it's important to 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 feel your feelings, to recognize them. And so that it doesn't affect us physically, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, how many times have we had that thought and those feelings stuck in our body? And it's like, oh, man, I got a stiff neck. Yep. I got a headache, mm-hmm. you know, so when we learn to process them and allow them to go and even delve like, oh, I know where that one came from. <laughs> You know, it, it really is amazing, but we just, you know, I mean, it's time and, but it's worth it in the, yeah, worth it in the end. And you're saying it's time there. So two questions on that. How long should somebody grieve for and does it ever go away? How long's a piece of string? Okay. Is the answer <laughs> to the first. <laughs> Helpful. Thank you. <laughs> no. See, unfortunately, it's very sad when people say, come on, you should be over it by Mm. now. We don't get over it. We have to go through it. Time does not heal. It's not a healer and it certainly doesn't heal grief. Mm. It's what you do within time that matters. I mean, I've worked with people that have carried their grief around for nearly 30 years. Mm Mm-hmm. A friend of mine, her son died, and she said to me, before we worked together, she said, time hasn't healed. If anything, at best, it's softened. Mm -hmm. But it's always there. So time doesn't heal. You You have to do something. I mean, if you can deal with losses as they come up, that's great. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to take action to help yourself to process your feel to realize that you're grieving yes. that's the biggest thing yeah. wow i'm grieving mm-hmm. and nobody's so, died so what would your top three tips be for you know dealing with loss mm. in any loss that is well i would say reach out because you never have to be alone Okay. It's, you know, grief is lonely. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say number two, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. And I think that is vitally important for people. Yes, to hear. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, and three, I would say don't avoid your feelings. That's the one I get stuck on, Diane. <laughs> well, we'll be working on that, Rona. <laughs> yes, absolutely. This is the thing. And I guess for me, part of working on that is actually doing my podcast and, and likes of speaking speaking to you and sharing my mm-hmm. story because it forces me to think yes. to some extent more deeply about, you know, how ill I was. Right. And, you know, it, part of me goes down the line of yes I was paralyzed I was wheelchair bound I was bed bound yes I spent time in hospital but I'm fine but actually when other people hear that and you know I I chat reasonably often to a particular um, ME charity and they always refer to me as 
severely affected. But I don't think of myself that no. way until you start, you know, you read the information on what somebody with mild ME is capable of and somebody with severe ME is capable of. And I think, well, actually, yeah, that was that was me. But I never consider or think of myself as somebody who had severe ME. Right. But that's who you were. Yes. That's not who you are now. No, exactly. And I think we all need to pat ourselves on the back at how far we do come mm-hmm. and how, you know, how hard it can be. And we, you know, as long as we're doing something to help ourselves, it's wonderful. Where can people find you then, Rona? Do you have a website? You I do. A podcast? Yeah, my website is very easy to find. It's just ronabarton.co.uk. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you can get a link to the podcast on that as well. Um, alternatively, I'm on Facebook, Instagram and Pinterest as Rona Barton Coaching and on Twitter as Rona B Coaching. Oh, look at so you. They can You're everywhere, girl. All of those. <laughs> <laughs> what about I you? I mean, I'm I'm keen for people if they do want to learn more about your your journal and they think that's right for them Mm -hmm. um, able to find it so where can they find you and your journal so um you can find my journal on my website uh well actually you'll find the link to my journal and to my podcast on my website which is givegriefachance.com that's the name of my podcast too Uh, My journal you'll find on Amazon, and that's called Giving Grief a Voice. Um, And I, too, am on Instagram and Facebook. And on Instagram, I am giving grief, oh, give grief a chance coach. Okay, give grief a chance coach. And that's on Instagram, yeah. And Facebook, I forget, I have a business, I have groups, I have a little group. (laughs) on there I always it's called life after loss with Diane Morgan it's just a little private group for anybody who is struggling Mm -hmm. you know with grief and just want a place that they can go and hang out excellent lovely well make sure I've got those links in show notes and things as well so people can find you that way Um, likewise thank you appreciate that for today I don't have any other questions for you Diane I think I got carried away with some of those me too I have really enjoyed this this has been a lot of fun and Rona I hope we can have another blether together absolutely a blether (laughs) together would be great um, to follow up with more and obviously if either of our um, podcast listeners have anything they want to contribute I would love to hear from your listeners as well as mine um, over any questions or what they might want us to discuss obviously around grief and ME as well not just Mm -hmm. any random topic Um, but we'll see what they come back with Um, but in the meantime enjoy the rest of your day and thank Thank you very much for chatting thank you and thank you for having me here today this has been great and I can't wait to do it again yay likewise I've loved chatting to Diane this week and I've picked up a few key points to take away and think about. The first being, 
grief shouldn't be a taboo subject and it's okay to share our grief with others. The second being, it's okay to not know what to say to somebody who's grieving. Being a listening ear could be enough. The third one, and one that I'm certainly going to take and start, is getting your thoughts and feelings down on paper, or out of your head at the very least, is a great way to start dealing with your grief. And number four, there's no right or wrong way to grieve. That's it for today, everybody. Chatting with Diane has given me a lot to think about and reminds me that I didn't fully deal with my own grief around my old life. So that's something I'm definitely going to be working on. How's this been for you? Let me know by dropping me a message via my social channels or leaving me a short voice message by visiting speakpipe.com forward slash B-I-M-E. You can get hold of Diane by visiting her website at givegriefachance.com and her podcast, Give Grief a Chance, can be found via her website or Apple Podcasts. If you wish to give Diane a follow on social media, you'll find her on Instagram at givegriefachancecoach and her Facebook group is Life After Loss with Diane Morgan. Thank you for listening. Please review, share and follow Believe in Me with Rona Barton via Apple Podcasts, Spotify or wherever you find your podcasts. Remember, you can always sign up for my mailing list by visiting my website, ronabarton.co.uk. I hope today's a good day for you. Bye for now.